Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of Acts with chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. First, we're going to take a step back and study the big picture of how Acts fits into crucial transitions found in Scripture. Second, we will take a look at how the apostles handled the need when it was discovered that the widows of Hellenistic Jews were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he teaches today's slice of this week's message entitled, The Infant Church Takes First Steps, Part 1. Chapter 6, verse 7, the word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the Lord. Now, that's pretty cool. We'll talk about that too. Now, I cite all that to begin to build a case to address a, um, a modern idea that needs to be refuted. It's an idea that's not healthy for local churches. And I have friends in the ministry who actually believe this, but it's not good. It's the belief that the idea of church membership is unbiblical. And it's not right, therefore, to ask people to become designated, recognized as members of a local church. Now, okay, I will grant there is no verse that says you must go through a process to become a member of your local church, sign on the dotted line or whatever it might be. But you know, there's also no verse that says to brush your teeth or to change the oil in your car or to register for the draft or that you need a driver's license. The lack of a specific verse is a terribly weak argument against church membership. You see, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you are a member of your church. The, the Greek word that's translated member describes a part of the body. We, we speak of dismembership, which I highly recommend against. It means losing a piece of your body, right? So um, we are as connected spiritually with one another in Christ as the parts of your body are connected to the whole. And we need to act in conjunction with and in harmony with one another just like your body has to work together or it's crippled or sick or hampered from functioning as it should. There is not one part of your physical body that functions better on its own. I'll strengthen that. There's not one, of your party, one part of your body that can function on its own. It, it, it's a whole. Now, there are statements like this. Romans chapter 12, verse 5. So we, who are many, so there are many individuals in this, just like there's many parts of your physical body. We are one body in Christ and individually 
members of one another. There's a collective there and there's an individual there. We collectively are the body. We are individually connected to one another. There's also Ephesians 4.25, therefore laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor for we are members of one another. We belong to one another. We are spiritually connected. It says it twice in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 20 and verse 27, but now there are many members but one body. Verse 27, now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Now, I cited all those passages about the numerical growth of the church to help you observe that from the beginning, the apostles, the Christians in general, kept track of numbers of people. They were so closely involved with one another that they knew when, they were, when there were needs, what the needs were, and they responded individually and collectively and sacrificially to meet those needs. That required record-keeping in addition to involvement. We know in chapter 2 that uh, where we heard that they knew all the distinct languages which were spoken by the people who had come from elsewhere to Jerusalem for Pentecost. That required some record-keeping as well. Uh, they knew about one another in great detail. Uh, we're going to see in, in chapter 6 when priests repented, they were the ones that were persecuting Him in chapter 5. And they came to faith, they knew that. They knew and they kept track of which ones of them were Greek speakers and which, one of them, which ones of them were Aramaic speakers. Oh, and they knew the marital status of people. They knew which ones were widows and they took care of them daily. There was a lot of caring and a lot of record keeping required in order to do that. Now, I won't take you there right now, but you can see later in new, other New Testament books that when believers moved or traveled from one location to another, they were recommended by name and by letters sent between churches. And that um, that thing that's mentioned just a few times in the New Testament took root. That, that practice became well documented in the years um, following the close of the New Testament. So when somebody says, why would you want to have church membership? That's not in the Bible. I would prefer to ask a different question. I would prefer to ask, why would anyone who has been transformed by Jesus Christ not want to be as committed as possible to His work and the building of His church? Why would any Christian want to avoid being named among the ones who belong to Jesus? If you're in Christ, that's the most important thing about you. Wouldn't you want it to be shown and stated as, as commonly as possible? to be part of your testimony? Now, in the Bible, as soon as a person was publicly identified with Jesus Christ, primarily by baptism, which followed repentance and conversion, that person was immediately known to the other Christians, was counted in the numbers, and was expected to be visi visibly identified with 
the local church. Now, it was kind of easy in the first chapters of Acts because, um, you know, the, the churches you had a choice of were Jerusalem or you weren't a Christian. There was only one. Life was easier to manage in that way. But the way members of the local church um, get identified does vary in different cultures, and I'll grant that. The most basic system, probably practiced by the most believers in the world, it is the system that I've come to be familiar with through our partnership with, um, with, with our Russian friends. A person hears the gospel, that person repents and declares his or her faith in Christ. Say, I trust Christ. Next opportunity, they are brought to church, brought up in front of the church where they are named, welcomed, and prayed for, and then they are taken under the wings of the, uh, the church leadership, and they uh, do some instruction in the basics of sound doctrine. Most people there are coming out of the, the cult of Russian Orthodoxy, and so there's quite a bit to make sure that they understand what the words actually mean. And when the, when the elders sign off on their preparation, then they are baptized, and that's a big day. That's a big celebration. And once the people are baptized, then they are considered members of the church, and they are allowed to partake in the communion service. They don't allow it until the end of that process. Now, that's a different cultural thing, different than the way, um, than the way we do it. But baptism day is also always communion day. You go to wherever the baptism is, and you come to the church, and you have a service, and, uh, and you come around the Lord's table. And, and I would say this, often, not only in Russia, many places in the world, that process comes at the cost of being ostracized from your family. But in their world, there is generally a maximum of, well, one church in any town or village, one gospel-preaching church. So there's no place to hide if you are committed to Jesus Christ. One of the times that I was over there and got to be around for a, for a baptism service, I heard um, uh, that, you know, we're all excited they're going to baptize eight people tomorrow. We're really excited about this. And then I came to the service and, you know, uh, all my fingers are intact. I can count to eight and beyond. And there were only seven who were baptized. And I said, oh, no, did somebody drop out? Is somebody sick? And they said, well, uh, no, we, have, we, we baptized Sergei way early this morning at a different location because of the threats on the lives of the people who would baptize him from his family, okay? We've got it pretty easy, folks, all right? Now, there are some denominations that have uh, very precisely described procedures for becoming a member of their local congregations, different ways of handling the children of believers. Um, there's uh, processes in some places for transferring from one place to another, for ordination uh, involving different churches. A, a lot of those things get detailed, and that's okay. That, that's fine. But the idea that you can belong to Jesus Christ and not be visibly, overtly, regularly, conspicuously committed to a local church, that idea is foreign to church history. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.